So tonight we are going to have my cousin Vinny, again, you know, the usual Italian saying there. Um, my cousin Vinny, Minister Vincent DeBrico, he's going to present a message on Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacle, as we see in Scripture. And before doing so, I just wanted to bring some thoughts before us. In John chapter 1, we read the following verses, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that had come into being. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shined into darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was a true light, which every which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even of those who believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. What the scripture says, tabernacled amongst us. And we saw his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This is of he whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received the grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So we know that... Again, initially, the, the law of Moses had, had given Old Covenant Israel 613 laws to find their righteousness for their relationship with God. Their covenant was dependent upon them following 613 laws. And they knew if they did not celebrate these feasts, as we'll be talking about tonight, if they did not go, fall in line with the 613 laws, that they would find themselves outside of covenant, they would find themselves dead to God, and thus we see the glories of Jesus Christ bringing us into relationship with God, not based upon a righteousness of 613 laws, not a righteousness based upon anything that we can contrive of our, come up with of ourselves, but a righteousness that is based on Jesus' righteousness and us being brought in through him. So all of that being said, as we talk about God tabernacling amongst us tonight, I want to say this one point. Um, tonight is, you know, the, today, October 1st, is the beginning of a new month of prayer in the common Book of Common Prayer, something we here at the Blue Point Bible Church have been following in our Sunday morning prayer time. And the month of October, as September had been talking about being conformed to the image of Christ, October notes formation into the way of Christ. That not only are we trusting that the Spirit will conform us to the image, but also that when we have the environment, such as the body of Christ, the church where Christ dwells, when we have this environment working in its proper order, this environment creates disciples. This environment produces those that understand the knowledge of God and have the opportunity to walk worthy. So I wanted to share quickly just a, a quick quote here from the um, beginning of October in the Book of Common Prayer. And ultimately, I, I believe we will see how that affects us in this um, understanding the, the presence of God amongst us, understanding that Christ has tabernacled amongst us as his church. For many of us, the judgmental, arrogant, legalistic Christianity we knew growing up has created a suspicion of discipline and order that can lead to a very... Sp sloppy spirituality. Reacting against the institution's sickness, we easily find ourselves with little help to heal us from our wounds, create new dis disciplines, and carve out a space where goodness triumphs. People, people who are afraid of spiritual discipline 
will not produce very good disciples. And again, the, that means that people that are not coming into the body of Christ, people that are staying outside of the truth, what they do is they come up with their own understanding of how they can make themselves atoned in the eyes of God, how they can have a presence of God that we enjoy as the body of Christ. And in doing that, they remove themselves from the ability to produce fruit. They remove themselves from the ability to dwell in the power of Christ and ultimately to be disciples of Jesus. So the goal of the church is to fix that, is to recognize that this Feast of Tabernacles, if there's one thing we can walk worthy of this feast, is that we can recognize that God is in our midst and that we have the opportunity before us to actually produce disciples in a world if we actually understand that we are his sanctuary. So I, I just end with a quote from Dorothy Day and then in, in, um, ask Meredith to sing us some worship song this evening. Dorothy Day said, we have to create an environment where it is easier to be good. You see, we have to, the church is the environment that, we're, that it holds up spiritual discipline, says this is the way that we can be formed in the image of Christ, that this is where God dwells, and this is where we can learn the spiritual disciplines to be better conformed to that image. So again, I thank Vinny for being here tonight. I thank Meredith for being willing to sing, and with that, I will uh, leave it to you.
Thank you very much, Meredith. That, that was beautiful. I didn't think I was going to get here tonight with all the traffic. <laughs> Before I start, I just want to say thank you to my cousin. He gives me these wonderful opportunities to be here. Um, before I start the message, I'm just going to, uh, there's a prayer that, actually two small prayers that go along with uh, this message. So I'm going to say it in Hebrew and then I will um, translate it as well. Amen. <laughs> Blessed are you, Lord our God, sovereign of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, sovereign of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to dwell in the sukkah. Amen. Good evening. Tonight we are going to look at sukkahs. That's how you would say it if you were looking into the language of Yiddish. But we'll just say sukkot or sukkot. Sukkot is the last of the three pilgrimage festivals mentioned in the Bible. It starts out with Pesach, which is also known as Passover. And then it moves on to Shavuos, which is also known as Pentecost. And then comes Sukkot, the Festival of Tabernacles. And uh, as I've been told, you guys have been learning a lot about uh, Sukkot. And uh, I just think that's absolutely wonderful. I think all the churches all Long Island and all around the globe should understand the, Jewish, the Jewishness of the scriptures. Now, Sukkot has a, a dual significance. It's both historical and agricultural. Historically, Sukkot commemorates the 40 years in which the children of Israel wandered in the desert living in sukkahs, or you could say in English, temporary houses. Now, agriculturally, uh, Sukkot is a harvest festival, and it lasts for seven days. In the book of Leviticus, Sukkot is instituted in the 23rd chapter, verse 33. It's such a holy holiday that there is to be no work on the first and second day of Sukkot. Now God brought his people out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And, you know, after the children of Israel were set free, they found themselves uh, kind of griping amongst each other. You know, typical, like, I'm so hungry, I'm so thirsty. You know, they thought they had it that good over in Egypt. You know, they would go to Moses and say, you know, why are we here? Why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us out here to die? You know, it was supposed to be a 10 to 14 day journey from Egypt to Canaan, known as the Promised Land. A land of flowing with both milk and honey. But, because of their disobedience, God himself had them wander the desert for 40 long years. But, God, being who he is, and being merciful, 
wonderful appeared this way, a cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. During their time in the desert, God provides the children of Israel with food and water, and of course the temporary dwellings. So even during their disobedience, God still dwelled within them, provided for his children. What a wonderful father we have. There have been times when we too have been disobedient, but the Lord yet, he still provides. He provides for his children, he provides for his family. He still dwells within our hearts and in our lives, for God will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, this holiday is also mentioned in Deuteronomy 16, verse 14 and 15. And thought shall rejoice in thy feast, and thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy maidservant, and maidservant, and Levite, stranger, fatherless, and widow, are within thy gates. Everyone is to celebrate, no matter what your circumstance. For seven days shalt thou keep a feast unto the Lord, thy God, and thy place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee and all thine increase and all the work of thine hands, and thou shalt be altogether joyful. So this celebration is a joyful one. You know, it's not like, you know, Yom Kippur, where you got to, like, you know, go and have your soul afflicted. You know, you got to sit there and you got to pray and you got to fast and, you know, it, you got to really, like, examine yourself. That hurts. You know, this is a joyful celebration. Now the word Sukkot means boots or temporary dwellings that are commanded by Adonai, God, to live in during this time. When Yom Kippur has come to an end, we then go out and start to build our sukkah. And talking to a bunch of rabbis and a bunch of people, um, I deliver all across the island so I get a chance to talk to everybody. And uh, a lot of the Jewish people will go out two days after Yom Kippur ends. And they start to gather their, their materials and start to build. Now a sukkah must have at least two and a half walls covering with a very strong material that will not blow away. Uh, living here in Long Island, some parts of Long Island, like where my sister and my brother live, they live out in uh, North Belleport. It's always windy there. It's like a real wind tunnel. It's crazy. So it must be secure, and it should have a cutout in the top so you can actually see the stars. So this is a pretty neat. It's a temporary house. It's got a skylight. So this way, when you're sitting in it, you look up, you can see the stars and everything right above you. What a, what a neat idea. Not bad for a temporary house. Now, the sucker in which you construct must be big enough so you may dwell in it. So I'm six foot two. It would have to be probably around seven or eight feet high off the ground. So that'd be a pretty big sukkah. <laughs> now, to fulfill the commandment, you should use something that grew from the ground and got cut off. So the sukkah must be left loose and not tied down. The sukkah must be built in such a way that rain could get in and must have a large enough window that you get, to, you know, get the chance to see the stars and kind of hang out. Now, some people actually go as far as to waterproof this sukkah. That's going a little far, I think. Um, but they cover the top of their sukkah when it rains, 
only to have to remove it in order to fulfill the commandment of dwelling in it. So the best thing to do, make it, but don't cover it. <laughs> the children usually have the most fun. You know, the, the men go out there and they gather all the materials and they build it, but the children have the most fun because they go and they get to uh, kind of decorate it. So when they're done building it, the children go out and they'll grab uh, stalks and pumpkins and apples and grapes and cabbages and cauliflowers and gourds, and they'll come in and they'll decorate the whole thing. Now this holiday does indeed have many parts. So not only do we celebrate and dance in the streets and dance all around the Torah, but we give praise to Adonai our God. And we thank him for the harvest. We thank him for the produce and we pray for winter rain. Because during this time we also recite Psalms. So Psalm 113 through 118, they'll actually open up their, their Torah and they'll start to read them. And then eventually they start to sing them. Now, the lulav and etrag are important elements of this feast. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Leviticus 23, verse 40. Okay. And you shall take you on the first day the fruit of goodly trees, branches and palm trees, boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So now, when you put these plants together, you then make what's called one lulav. Now there is a citrus fruit that is also used. It's kind of like a, it's called a citron, it's kind of like a bumpy lemon. So a picture of a lemon with a double protrusion, one on each side, and that's basically what this citron is that they use. So six branches are then bound together, and the lulav is then tied to it, making one unit. So basically you have a bunch of bows and branches for all different kinds of trees, all goodly trees. They tie it together, they get a string, they run it through the citron, and they tie it to the bows. And that's how they go and they praise God with. So now we are to take the four plants, use them, rejoice before God. We wave it east, south, west, north, up, down. We show that we understand that God is everywhere. We shout, Hosanna Rabbah, the great Hosanna. Please save us. We then beat the willow branches into the ground at least five times, shaking loose some, if not all, of the remaining leaves. It is said that this reason is actually agricultural. For the rainy season begins in the fall. The willow leaves falling from the branches is a symbol of our hope for rainfall. Now it is also said that there are four different types of people symbolized by the lulav. Think of which one of these best describes you. If you have a pencil and a piece of paper, write this down. Are you the etrog? It has a delightful aroma and tastes sweet, representing a person who has knowledge of Torah and of good deeds. And that's the etrog, E-T-R-O-G. Are you the lulav, L-U-L-U-V, which comes from a date palm, has a fruit that tastes sweet, yet has no fragrance. 
It is said that some people have knowledge and no good deeds. So I guess you could sum it up like this. Faith without works is dead. You find that in James chapter 2, verse 17. Are you the hadas? Which is just the opposite. Having nice fragrance, yet no taste. So I guess you can say you are a person of good deeds and no true knowledge of Torah. And last but not least, are you the Arava, which is said to have neither taste or smell and represents a person who has neither good deeds and no knowledge of Torah whatsoever. Now, Sukkot is a joyous occasion. Following this celebration of praise and dancing in the streets, there was also to be sacrifices in the temple as well. Bulls, rams, goats were to be used for the sin offering. And by the end of the seventh day, it was said to have had at least a total of 70 sacrifices. And the rabbis say that the sacrifices performed that day represent the 70 nations of the world who are looking forward to their return of the God of Israel and the gathering under the Shekinah glory. One of the most joyful parts of this harvest festival is the water drawing ceremony. Now, the priest would go out to the pools of Siloam in Jerusalem and there he would take a golden container. I don't have gold, I'm not rich. But I picture this would be gold. And he would go out and actually fill up the water in his pitcher. And he would then go back to the temple and he would go over the top of the altar and he would pour the water over the top of the altar. Just like that. Now the reason why he did this is because this represented the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For in Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 it reads this. Therefore, with joy, you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. Verse 4 says, And in that day ye shall say, Give thanks unto the Lord and proclaim his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Back in the days, um, Israel had a very hard time keeping clean water. Water is a real necessity. And the land of Israel is very dry. So there'd be periods of no rain. I mean, it's, it's desert-like conditions. So you needed water for survival, not only for your household, but for your crops too. Without the proper amount of water coming in, no matter how much seed you put down, you're not going to turn a crop. And you definitely need water for your household to survive. Most freshwater springs provided water year-round, and they were referred to as living water because it was the freshest. Now, God is described as the living water. Jesus himself, on the last day of the Feast of Sukkot, stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone believes in me, out of him will flow rivers of living water. In John chapter 4, Jesus says, This everyone, to this, uh, <clears throat> everyone who 
drinks from water, from this water, shall get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give him shall never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become a fountain of water within him, springing up to eternal life. So which kind of water would you rather have? Jesus is offering you the living water, which brings forth eternal life. Now the question is, how thirsty are you? Are you thirsting for a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are you going to let your water jug dry out? It is written in Zechariah chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, says this, that the survivors of the nations are to go to Jerusalem year after year and worship the King, the Lord Almighty, at the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, otherwise known as Sukkot. If anyone chooses not to go to Jerusalem and worship the King, then the Lord Almighty then says they will have no rain. And as we all know, and as we just shared, you need rain in order to have good crops. So once again, we come to see that the reason why the Jewish people go out to the streets and they celebrate and they, they dance around the Torah is because they fear. They fear God will not supply the rain. Which is so very important in order to have good, strong crops. In Matthew chapter 15 says these people, talking about the Jewish people, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God wants more than your praise. He wants your heart. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People watch you sing, they, pray, they see you praising God. And God looks at your heart to see if your heart is toward Him. You know, if you're, you know, on a Sunday morning, it's very easy to come in here and, you know, sing and get into the music and all that stuff. And the guy next to you, he may not know. I say, wow, you know, that guy's got it all together. You know, he's singing, he's dancing, he's, he's feeling it. But the only one that really knows your heart is the creator of the universe. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we read that to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose. A time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which was planted. As the Jews celebrate Sukkot, they give thanks for their harvest, and a lot of them harvest Grapes, figs, olives, squash, all kinds of wonderful produce. And there is a time for every purpose. There's even a time to celebrate. And this is their time. Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, Pray to the Lord that he may send out workers into the harvest field. But John 4 says this. And actually, I would like to uh, 
alternatives with everybody. So only a few verses. John chapter 4, verse 38. John 4, 34 to 38, rather. John 4. Yeshua tells them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to accomplish his work. Don't you say four more months and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are white and ready for harvest. The, reap, the reaper receives a reward and gathers fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you haven't worked for. Others have worked hard, and you have joined in their work. You know, Jesus was here to do the will of the Father. And he's telling his disciples, look around. There are people all around here getting saved. The joy comes to both the reaper and the sower. When you go out to the mission field, which is all around you, by the way, you exit this door. You're in the mission field. Blue Point is your mission field. You don't have to go to Hungary to be in a mission field. We have people who need to hear this right outside this door. You know, we're called to plant seeds. And, you know, sometimes you might see something come of it, or you might just be called to plant seeds. So it might be a while till something comes into bloom, but rest assured that God has it under control. He calls you and I to be the ones who go out there and plant the seeds and to do the work. It's not just up to Pastor Mike and the elders of this church to go out and do it all. God wants us to go out and get our hands dirty too. You know, as we celebrate this holiday, remember that God has sent His Helper, the Holy Spirit, to tabernacle or dwell within you. And unlike the temporary dwellings mentioned in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit shall be with you always, right to the end of the age. Praise God. Mike, if you come up and uh, close us out.